Welcome to Films of 1991. The show where I, Lewis, attempt to watch every film that has ever been released in the year of 1981. And thank you beforehand for taking the time to listen to my personal project, which may last a lifetime, may last beyond my lifetime, but at least I'm going to try. And enjoy the latest episodes. Thanks very much. I'm back again with the ill behaviour. If you know, you know. Thanks again for joining me, folks, for Films of 1991 with me, Lewis, uh, for episode 26, Fatal Ex- Exposure. I was about to do Sean Connery there. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> Exposure. Um, just a quick note, uh, hope you appreciate the new intro, I thought it was time for a refresh, um, also, uh, if you hear a in the back, it's me really loud ass clock, so apologies for that, but it's just the room I'm in today, it just so happens I have a really loud clock, so you just have to live with it, okay? <laughs> Anyways, gonna keep me on my toes, because this is gonna be a quite, I think, succinct, um, straight-lined episode, as we'll get into. But anyway, on with the show. So like I said, Fatal Exposure, directed by Alan Metzger. Cast includes, now, I should have looked up how you pronounce his name, because it's either Mary or Mayor. <laughs> now, oh, well, nah, yeah, we'll just do it. If you're Scottish, right, Mayor is shorthand for Nightmare. So, for example... If something was to go awry, or something was to go wrong, you'd be like, ah, what a mare! What an absolute mare, mate! Also, it's also the name of a horse. So, I don't know if her name's Mare or Mare, because it's M-A-R-E, which is which is what Mare is, so... <sighs> We're just going to go with Mare. God, again, what a great star. Anyway, so, cast includes Mare Wingham, Winningham, sorry, Christopher McDonald, Nick Mancuso, Jeffrey Blake, Ryan McWhorter, or Wahutter, and Christopher Petiet. Brief synopsis. After unwittingly picking up processed photos of someone else's, caper ensues on an incredibly isolated island with bumbling cops not helping. If you can hear a lot of scratching there, my dog's trying to dig a hole in the cushion. Great. This is just a view into my life. Anyway. <laughs> so. Like I said. Back again. With a TV movie. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. At the end there is no numbers. Okay. There is no box office. There ain't no budget. Because they didn't do that for TV movies. I love it. I mean they do some. I guess these days actually it's more likely you're going to get numbers. Because streamers are. Streaming services are paying inordinate amount of money. Inordinate amount of money. I don't know if I've got that right. A lot of money <laughs> in new stroke TV streaming shows. But anyway, back in the day, it wasn't really a thing to really report about. So, anyhow, which, you know, TV movies always hold a special place in my heart. As there is a special sauce when it comes to TV movies. They all have to be restricted to being an hour to an hour and 40 in length. 
they have to be budget conscious and above all engaging enough without being too intricate in storytelling. Oh, and having an actor or two who you vaguely recognise enough to pique your intrigue. For me, for example, Christopher McDonald was the one in this where I was like, oh, I know what that guy's from. Oh yeah, he said, oh yeah. If you don't know who Christopher McDonald is, we'll get to it uh, in a minute. Not in a minute, but in a bit. Um, but yeah, because we've already discussed, I think, one or two TV movies already, definitely with um, All American Murder, because that was, although that might have been straight to VHS stroke TV, so it's one of those ones where it kind of toes the line. But anywho, um, and with fatal exposure, you have all those ingredients integrated pretty solidly. It's funny, if this was made now, You'd have to put in the synopsis beginning of the film set in the you know, 70s, 80s, 90s as it all hinges on the days of using film in your camera. You'll remember that. Click, click. And once you've taken your pictures, you then take your film and get it processed and developed at a specialist shop, which is, of course, becoming more of a rarity. Saying that, I still do that, by the way. Like, there's there's something... I'm sorry. Nothing will be having physical pictures you can look over. You know, I, m- I remember seeing ones, you know, photo albums of me growing up when I was a bairn. And I love it. I love being able to physically handle it. And also, they go they go missing, and you find them again, and you're like, oh, and the memories come flooding back. Whereas digitally, you know, just standing there... Or sitting there, standing there, stand there in the middle of the road, just scrolling through your phone. Don't do that, please. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you just scroll and it's just, it's not the same. I'm sorry, it's never going to be the same. It's not the same. And like, you know, get your photos digitally, um, sorry, your digital photos made into physical copies. That's great. Like, I don't mind that, obviously, because again, just having physical copies, it's like, whatever. I know environmentally, maybe it's better, but there's some things you have to, I have to, Toe the line environmentally. Don't want to, you know, um, go on the absolute side quest to do environmental issues. But anyway, it's just funny to think that if it's just made now, it would be very much like you'd have to, you don't, you don't have to set it in the past, or you would have to make it like. Um, and I know it's quite a depressing watch. That um, is it. Thirteen reasons why, because that's all hinges on like tape. Uh, cassette tapes and Polaroid pictures and all that sort of thing and so it's like oh you know but again it's youngins being like what the hell is that oh right it's this thing right cool you know harking back you know like granddaddy was or pappy was or whatever but anyway that's my dog digging again um (laughs) but anyway the bloody film I did enjoy it especially moments where it seems either one they couldn't be bothered and or seem sort of place from the rest of it. Case in point, uh, the music at the beginning, mainly at the beginning, although it is peppered throughout, is so jaunty and funky, which I don't terribly mind, but it did throw me off somewhat to what this film was going to be. Similar to, if you've ever seen it, or if you've never seen it, do watch this. Um, it's similar to the film 8mm, um, 
which is directed by Joel Schumacher. And I know people are like, oh, he's the one who directed the really crappy Batmans after Tim Burton. I'm like, nah, sod off. Right? I'm sorry. You know, he was put in the corner. He had to make it so McDonald's could get their Happy Meal toys to be all right. You know, remember McDonald's made the Happy Meal toys. And then he saw the penguin of Tim Burton's set, uh, Batman Returns eating people and slavering over himself and Catwoman just being, you know, cartwheels and, again, licking a guy's face, you know what I mean? Like, and then they're like, hey, kids, with your chicken McNuggets, guess what you can get? A toy of the penguin. <laughs> he don't eat children. <laughs> you know? So, so don't be, so Joel Schumacher was put in a position because they were like, they were like, the studio was like, look, you're going to make at least a little bit kid-friendly. He's like, okay, right, all right. Well, fine. And he had a laugh. He had a good time. You could tell it's a good time. Anyway, 8mm is a fantastic film. It stars Nicolas Cage. It's got Joaquin Phoenix in it. It's also got, oh, there's someone else in it. Um, James Gandolfini, of course. Come on. And it's really good. But the intro music is really odd compared to the rest of the film. It is so odd. I love bongo drums. I'm a drummer, so I love bongo drums. But it starts with bongos. It's like... But then with like some really sort of eerie, sort of atmospheric sounds around it. I didn't quite get it. But this, it's some of the harshest I love. Now look, before I say this, I love pan pipes. I love pan pipes. One of my favourite instruments ever, actually. I just love them. I think they're fantastic, right? But these are the harshest sounding panpipes I've ever heard. I think they must be being played off of, off of a Casio keyboard or something. Or a Moog, maybe. Or maybe even a Korg. But it sounds like it's a cheapo Casio one. Not to rip Casio, of course. Or like that cheap imitation ones that you would get, you know, at the kid's store. And you, as a kid, you think you're like Axel F playing Beverly Hills Cop intro and all that, whatever. It's funny, I'm aging myself, but I wasn't even born in that decade. <laughs> I was even, like, aging myself, like, oh yeah, I was totally born in the 70s, 80s, pal. Ayo. It's like, no, I'm not. Wow, this episode's going way off track. I thought it was going to be really quick. Ten minutes, I haven't barely talked about the film. <sighs> well, look, if you're listening to this, and you're still listening to this after, uh, well, this is the 26th episode. So if you still have, if, if you've been a day one, if you've been a, that's what the kids say, right? Oh, I'm really aging myself. <laughs> oh my God. If you've been a day one. And you're still listening to me now, then you must be expecting all this guff all throughout. So, props to you, right? Appreciate you. <laughs> anyway, right? It's the harshest sound of panpipes, okay? Really? And I was like, oh, don't do that to that instrument. I love that instrument. Oh, it was just disrespectful. But again, it, like, compared, and I get, like, it's supposed to be like, oh, island life, but it's not like I get to see much of island life. And it's not really a, I wouldn't call it a jaunty film, <laughs> right? But hey-ho, that's what we got. Um, and another of the sort of elements that sort of popped up was, now without spoiling it, and I'm, I, I, I know I try really hard not to, and sometimes I have to because otherwise I just can't really talk about it, but I've got to try my best with this one. They admit the so this is a very roundabout way of saying it because I can't spoil it. They've omitted the effect of a particular action, and then not following that up at all. 
which then in turn left me with so many questions, considering, I've just thought this now, considering what happens to another character who has a similar thing happen to them, yet we get a bow on the top of that box at the end. And it's like, oh, so that one gets like a, hey, look, hey, oh, great, oh, yeah. Finally, good, good to know for them. But the other one's like, eh, no, whatever. No, that's fine. No, no, don't need to know anymore. Not even any, not even, like, not even a, a note by the main character to go, oh, whatever happened to, whatever, what, what, do you remember, bloody blah, blah, like, what, you know, no, none of that. Anyway, phew, this is definitely a film which trimmed the fat, right? There is no unwanted mess, nor side stories, stroke plots. Well, there is one, but it ain't massive. Um, and that probably explains how the beginning kind of swiftly deals with a storyline, right? That has, that was going to, what seemed to be was going to be the main crux of everything going on. But no, it was like watching a magician doing a disappearing act. One minute they're there, the next, poof, they're gone. I get it maybe talking about how instances, stroke events, that happen however far away can affect you wherever you are in whatever way, right? Um, but it was like, oh, okay. Because I had to, I rewatched because it's sort of like I said, it's at the beginning. So I rewatched the beginning, um, because also I needed to clarify the sort of views into the how I do things. It's it's a one it's a one person job. You know what I mean? I don't I can't feel. Hey Jimmy, you do the best lines of best scenes, right? Oh yeah, you Sally, you do the numbers and that. No, it's not that. It's just oh me. Oh I'm doing everything. Oh okay. Anyway. I don't, I don't know why they're called Jimmy and Sally. <laughs> I don't know. I've actually recorded this really late at night as well, so it might be a bit delirious. And I had a curry. Um, so that's maybe it as well. It was very nice, if you want to know. <laughs> anyway, I'm going really off topic again. Anywho. Um, what was I saying? I completely forgot. Ah, right, yes. So, I rewatched it to be like, uh, to see the best lines and scenes and that. Um, and because the way it begins, you totally think it's going to centre around this whole issue of picking up the wrong photos and what's containing them. And actually, it kind of, well, at first it's sort of sideways, it goes a bit sideways, but it really, it comes back to it in a different set, a different way, which is fair enough. But um, the other thing about it was that at the beginning... There's also a character who I didn't spot was in the beginning, earlier on, because they appeared later on. And I was like, why are they making a big reference to this guy? I was like, oh, he was near the beginning. So I'm like, oh, maybe that was why we had this whole thing going on, just to sort of set up. I was like, oh, and then swing back. But even then, think about that. It wasn't like they really hammered that home. So, hmm. Although... Oh, no, because now I'm just rethinking it. He has a line that maybe he doesn't... Ah, whatever. You just watch the film, okay? You figure it out. <laughs> anyway. 
Um, also, I just wanted to also talk about the setting, which is fasc it's a fascinating one. I love settings like this, where places like, look, a lot of the stuff I'll watch is probably going to be American, right? And a lot of it is going to be set in, you know, major cities, New York, Los Angeles, you know, uh, Houston, uh, Washington, whatever. You name them, probably going to feature at some point. But this is like fascinating. So it's Soviet, I think it's Soviet, Soviet or Soviet Island. It's had numerous other names, I think. I think um, Native American names, which I I don't want to go and delve into the history of why it was renamed. I think it's been renamed three times. So I've just left it for the moment because I didn't want to, you know, um, get my facts wrong to do with it. So, yeah, it's called Soviet or Soviet Island. And it's one of the largest river islands in the US. River islands. Now, that's a fascinating concept to me. Like, you think island, you think island of Hawaii, out in the sea. Um, if, you're th- if you're talking right, you know, over these parts, you've got the isles of, like, Orkney, Shetland. Um, you've also got, like, I- oh, some of my favourite islands ever. <laughs> like, I have a list of my favourite islands. Being, like, Isle of Muck. Egg, uh, rum, they're all Scottish islands if you want to know. But, um, but they're obviously out in the sea, like I said. But this is a river island, and it's the largest. I'm like, well, how big's a river? It's got to be a big-ass river if it's going to have a, the, one of the largest river islands. And also the idea of a river island is that, yes, it is isolated, but it's, it has a unique feel as opposed to... Sorry, it has... But being in a river, not too far from much more populated cities, yet, according to the film, the last ferry is in late afternoon. They don't say a time, but I'm judging by the time of light and whatever. Which is mad, by the way, that it's late afternoon, the last ferry is. I think it should be more towards the evening, no? Um, But what I mean by saying all that about the ferry is that... that sort of sense of isolation increases as night en- envelopes the inhabitants. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, rather than, oh, if I if you live in the city, night falls, yeah, it gets quiet in that, but it's not like the, your next neighbour is going to be however many miles away. And it's not like to get to a lot of amenities or services, um you're not having to wait on a boat that's then going to stop doing service and you've got, like, imagine an emergency happened. You know, what are you going to do if you need to get to the mainland, as they say? Which is even funny because when you say the mainland, you do think of it being an island out in the sea and you're coming into the shore, whereas this, it's like, oh, but... So that... That... That river must be massive. That river must be so huge, Benny. That's geography. But... Aside from let, let's move on because I am going off tangents a lot. So let's get to performances. Now our lead, Mary Winningham, is a mother or character is a mother with two sons, whose ex husband is in a relationship with a young newsreader. And oh, and I just want to mention quickly because I haven't really talked about I won't I'm not gonna really talk about her further, the one who plays the um partner of the main character's ex husband. She barely gets anything in this. They make such a big deal about 
um, or a semi-big deal about the ex-husband and that woman's relationship and how, let's say, how long it's gone on for and also about the fact that her sons near the beginning are watching her on telly reporting and the mum has stood there and you, you could tell it's like a lot of like whatever but other than that she gets I think like two lines and I'm not even, they're not even lines they're like, oh, she's like, something, at one point she's like, oh, that's great. And maybe another time it's like, oh, stop. And that's it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, like, oh, whatever. Like I said, this film was trimming the fat. It weren't going to hang about for anybody. Um, but anyway, going back to Mary Winningham's character. So, yeah, so she's having to deal with that and is suspecting a neighbour of not so good things. Now, Mary plays all this stress and weight with genuine feeling and thought, making you feeling her pain when she finds out certain details about her ex or when she's having to worry about her son's wellness as well as fending off a ne'er-do-well. And she's great. She does portray so much in the face, which I know is such an unusual thing to say about someone. It's like, you portray so much in the face. But she does. She really has this... Um, I, can't, I didn't look up what I've seen her in before, but I've seen her in quite a few things. I've always thought she always has a very, um, it's a very sort of forlorn face. Not like, uh, not in a droopy way, you know. I was about to do my droopy impression, but I'm going to save that for another day. <laughs> um, but she just has this face where it's just like, where you could, it's hard to say. Because I don't always say that she always looks sad, because that's not the case at all. I just, it, I guess it's a, it's a very earnest face, right? It has a very earnest feeling about it. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but, I, but she's great at sort of straddling all these different emotions all in the one face. That's, that's so odd to say. But it's true. It's the only way I could put it. Uh, but she's great. She's really good. There are some really funny bits where she screams where I forget. It's funny to see people at screaming. Um, not outside of horror films, right? Because horror films, you're just right. Unless they're really crap horror films, the screams always going to be the same, right? But in films like this, where it's not necessarily the scariest thing, the screams are just funny. <laughs> I can't even lie; they're just funny. Uh, there's something about. There's one in particular where she's obviously in two bites, and she just sort of lets one out. <laughs> it's so like, um, it's like a. It's like it would be a new metal uh, song, like Corn or Slipknot or something. Not less Slipknot, more like Corn or um, maybe even Lip Biscuit or maybe Static X, maybe maybe System of a Down. God, uh, this is where this is proper aging myself because this is what I was until back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's just that suit the scream and it just made me like, oh, I just made me laugh. I wasn't supposed to, but it made me laugh. And uh, now we get to the other standout, Christopher MacDonald, who, if you don't know, is in bloody everything. I think I saw that on IMDb. I think he's on this list that someone's compiled, which I'm going to look at afterwards, which is simply called That Guy Actors. And I can already see the image, the other, the other one, the, obviously one of the guys on the list is. And it's the one of the villains from Total Recall, I'm like, yes, exactly, it's that actor, that guy, that guy's in everything too. Christopher McDonald's one of those guys. For me, he is the villain 
He's, uh, yeah, I guess he's a villain. Uh, Flubber. Now, I know that people are like, Flubber, mate, come on, growing up, you just, you wanted that thing. Flubber, the thing, the fucking green bully bully thing. You wanted that, right? I did. I thought, I loved that film. I still love it now, even though it's probably going to be a bit weird watching it back a bit. But anyway, he's the villain in that. He's great. He's been, he plays the snidey git really well. <laughs> um, I think he's been in Happy Gilmore. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff, to be honest. Like, loads. And he's going to be appearing a lot in this uh, podcast series, if you could call it that. It's more like a diatribe or something, I don't know. Um, it's an epic, as they say. Uh, he, I think, is going to be in four more films for this. So he's going to be four more episodes, which is great, because I, I think he's great. But anyway, he, in this, he is a sadistic professional who is both manic and controlled, sneering, conniving, cunning, and all of a mullet. Like he is so good. He does he does pull these faces where it's it's this grin, it's this smile he has, which is just it is it's like pantomimish, but in the best way. It's full of just vitriol. It's full of personal joy, but with so much amount of sadistic energy, which is just incredible to behold. And uh, no, he's excellent. He's really good there because initially he's very quiet, doesn't say a word. And I was like, oh, he's just not going to say anything. Cool. Then he starts speaking. And at first you're like, oh, should we really have him speaking? We want him to be ominous. But then he's completely like off kilter, um, which is great. Um, and everyone else is pretty standard in their performances. Not, you know... Not enough that it doesn't all fall apart at the seams when it gets to them. Um, you know, it's just that, again, it's a TV movie, so they're there to do a job, and they're doing the job, and they do it good. Like, the guy who plays the um, Photoshop clerk is always hitting on the main character is great. Um, the neighbour, he's really good. He's, you know, the cool and silent type. Um, and... Oh, Oh, and the two kids. Excuse me, I'm tired. <laughs> the two kids. I actually hadn't written down notes about this, but I, for, I forgot to write down notes for this. The two kids. I'm sorry. There's sometimes I watch these films and TV shows, I'm like, was I that much of a prick as a kid? Because some of this stuff, especially the older one, I'm like, give your ma a break. She's doing her best, and you're just like absolutely in her ear constantly, and not even in like a oh can we go here? Can we go there? No, it's just like I hate you. You're right there, and like going off. But also, just a bit. Of, yeah, there's a sweet bit right at the beginning. I guess with the you know fun Johnny music, and it's basically I didn't put this as my best line of scene, but I think I might change my best. Not it's not really a best line, but. Yeah, I've got to change it. I'm actually going to score out the one I had. I'm not even going to make mention. I'm actually physically going to get my pen and score it out. There we go. So, um, basically, the youngest kid... I'm just going to talk about... Oh, no, I'll save it to the end. But anyway, the wee kid is really sweet. Um, 
And I'm not sure if he... I, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil it because it kind of links it to a very important scene that happens later on. Um, but basically, the wee kid at, had these reoccurring moments that they had to act. And if he doesn't generally have what he's acting now, then wow, I think he acted that great. Fair play. That's probably just started performance alone acting that because it felt very realistic. Anyway... Um, but yeah, everyone was solid, you know, and did their job. Um, oh, and I should also mention the woman who plays the neighbour shock friend of the main character as well. She was great in the little moments that she had. Um, but anyway, I will say, in portrayals in general, that the police do not come off well at all, right? They're either bumbling, cocky, corrupt, inept, etc., uh, or all the above. Um, I personally don't mind that, of course. Um, it puts more of the onus on our lead to get the job done because she does go to the cops numerous times. And that's one of the other things. There's this cop that was always there who just laughed, who kept laughing at her. And at no point I was like, okay, so at some point there's going to be a comeuppance, right? They're going to finally be like, oh, we're so sorry that we just laughed in your face. No, there was none of that. And I was like, Mate, I would, look, I don't care if they said, look, the film has to be this length and then that's it. I'd be like, no, you're going to give me a minute or even 30 seconds just to have her walk up to that laughing numpty and give him what for, because that ain't cool. But anyway, um, it was just funny because they showed, they basically showed every aspect of what the police shouldn't be. Uh, you know, in some instances, that is actually maybe a viewpoint of reality. Uh, again, don't we get too much into polit- political police politics. Now, I saw, because um, you know I've, I've said in the past that I avoid reviews, read reviews beforehand. And I didn't review the, read a review of this beforehand, but when I was just about to um, sort of record the episode and everything, I did go on IMDb just get some IMDb sorry just to get some details and I you know scrolled all the way down. It's because I wanted to make sure I got the right location of the film and that was it. And there was a comment. So I saw this comment about the film um, from nineteen ninety nine. So they clearly keep their comments there. <laughs> some <laughs> some websites I'm pretty sure are like are probably like nah we're not keeping anything past whatever year. But anyway. Um, that was criticising the fashion on show in the film. Which I completely disagree with. Like, you're, you, you're allowed to have your opinion, of course. But, especially these days when, like, 90s fashion is very much been in vogue for, like, for however long, like, a long time now. Even the awkward as hell coat that um, Christopher McDonald wears, <laughs> as, uh, wears at some point makes sense to both the story, and the character. Um, but even aside from that, like, I don't know what they're on about, really. The kids are dressed as kids. You know, the man's dressed in perfectly 90s blue jean, white trainer, you know, combo. The neighbour, you know, again, standard stuff. Like, there wasn't, like, I mean, Christopher McDonald has some great shirts, Christopher McDonald. I keep just wanting to say Christopher McDaniels because it's the name of a wrestler. It just rolls off the tongue, Christopher McDaniels. Christopher McDonald, you know. So apologies. If I've said if I've said already Christopher McDaniels, he's a wrestler. He's very good. Uh, he's an AEW, if you know what that is. Anyway. 
Um, you'll probably sense, though, at this point that this review is a lot shorter than the more recent ones because, like, normally with performances, I take a lot longer uh, with the sort of plot and story of the film and everything. Um, I've ad-libbed, you know, like I usually do. I go off on tangents, I ad-lib and everything, so it has gone on a bit longer than I thought it was going to. Um, now, I'd say this is because that as much as this was an enjoyable film, it's generally very... It is generally a very average story, an all-round performance as a, as an entity, as a complete sphere, as a um, a ball in the hoop. I'm talking about basketball, if you don't know. But anyway, um, now that is not to be sniffed at. TV movies are some of the best stuff I have enjoyed, even if they are bang average. Some of the most bang average TV movies I've had the most enjoyable time with, just because they are a bang average TV movie and it's like at some points it's like oh they don't really care um, and I will just do um, a quick mention before I wrap this up actually there was points where I watched it um, where I don't know if I'm, I can't figure out why or what this was it definitely seemed like it was from the original print or the equivalent rather than you know a digital transference issue um, but basically there was points where the scene would end abruptly and then we'd sort of, but then we would jump back and we'd be still in the same scene, but we could clearly have missed like two, three seconds maybe. It would just sort of cut to black really quick, but then come right back. So again, I don't really know what that's about, but it did kind of take away a little bit. Yeah, like you could get a sense of where the dialogue was going, so it was fine. But um, but no, it was, it was just a little bit... Ooh. And uh, and so, heck, you know, watch it. You know, like me, I, always, I recommend every film that I review because, again, if you don't know what is crap, how are you going to know what excellent is? And it's all subjective as well. So it doesn't really matter. I just think you should just watch it and just make it what you think. You know, it's free on YouTube, by the way, because I don't know if people know, but on I because not everyone listens on Spotify. But if you go into the, I don't know if it's still, I don't know if it transfers completely over to um, all the other platforms that this goes on. Um, but I know definitely Spotify is there. But basically in the description, you can, I, if there is a free version of the film, which you can just watch off of YouTube or um, a different sort of video sharing um, site like Daily Motion or something, then I'll link, I'll put the link in there. That way, you know, it's easily accessible. If I don't put it there, that means you have to... Um, either it's on a more um, established video streaming site like Amazon, Netflix, Apple TV, whatever the hell is going on in the world, um, or you have to pay for it. But it's amazing what you can find on YouTube. Like, like really, generally, a lot of the ones I've watched have been off that. And it's incredible that it's there, just sat there, and no one cares. Or maybe people do care, they just can't be bothered. I like to think that. They're like, yeah, let the people enjoy. Um, and it's perfect for a, a for a rainy, 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 rainy day. Like a day where it's raining constantly. You can have a marathon of films. You squeeze that in the middle because it don't really mean nothing and it don't really mean much, but it does mean a teeny bit. And you're like, hey, that's was that. That was on. I enjoyed that a little. Yeah, it was all right. And then you can go on to, I don't know, your superhero stuff or whatever. And I just want to give a special mention as well. It goes to the poster design. It's on the IMDb page. 
which I think is actually really tight. I think it's really great. The font and that, mm, pristine. But anyway, so yes, like I said, I changed the best line. So I can't really remember it exactly, but basically it's to do, basically the little kid, they're riding on their bikes and the little kid goes to his ma, oh, who do you think would win in a fight? And it's the ultimate warrior and, oh, I'm going to get the second wrestler wrong. Oh, I was going to say Jim Duggan, but it's not Jim Duggan. Oh, Blumenek, I've forgotten who it is, that's terrible. Anyway, he says, who would win between Ultimate War and the other wrestler? And, bit, long story short, her and the, him and the Ma have a back and forth. The Ma clearly don't know shit, right? So, she goes, oh, is that, uh, is that a boxing match? Because at first, she's like, oh, well, who do you think would, who will do you, who do you think you, who do you think you, oh, can I say it? Who do you think, who do you think you, oh, I can't, I'm struggling here. Who do you think, who do you think would win? There we go. Who do you think would win? And he's like, oh, Ultimate Warrior. He was like, well, come on, Matt, answer. And she's like, oh, is it? Oh, well, it's a boxing match, right? And the weekend just cackles away. He's like, oh, you don't know nothing, Matt. And then just cycles off. Uh, the bar just like, has this like, oh. And she does this, she does play that bit great where she goes, oh, oh. And then just smiles in that sense of, you have no idea. But anyway, um, yeah, it was much better than the other one I had. And then the best scene, I've put the shootout at the lighthouse. So it's Christopher McDonald. I got it right that time. And uh, and a very wet behind the ears cop and it's excellent it's pretty short it perfectly encapsulates christopher mcdonald's character and it also perfectly portrays the um portrayal of police of the police in this um and also the setting is great because think about it there's a lighthouse on a river island that just boggles the mind but anyway that's besides the point but yeah it's a really good scene it just encapsulates Christopher McDonald's character perfectly. And yeah, it's really, really good. And um, and yeah, so let me give you my star rating. So I gave it 3 out of 5 stars. I thought it put bang right in the middle. Technically it should have been 2.5. But I can't be I can't be pedantic every day of my life. Um, now, again, like I said, you already know. No box office, no budget numbers. On IMDb, it got 5.1 out of 10. Which is... Again, just above average. It's about average. It's about decent. And then on the LA Vanguardia, Guardia, it got 10 out of 10. Now, you may ask me, what the heck is that? And I'm telling you, I don't even remember. So I wrote that, that part down a long time ago. And so I have no idea. I'll have to look at it myself. But yes, they gave it 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I don't think I have anything that I've had. Any films that I reviewed so far, I've never had the rating numbers ever at maximum. Well, there you go. Maybe we've all been snoozing on this. But anyway, so that's it for another round. Thanks so much again for listening. Next time, a sequel, Mannequin Two, on the move. Oh God, here we go. And until then, take care and cheerio.
This has been Films of 1991 with me, Lewis, written, recorded, and devised. Oh boy, moi. Thank you again for listening and taking this journey with me. Next time, episode 27, we'll be Mannequin 2 on the move. <laughs>